Hello, and welcome back to the Product Launch Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce, CEO and founder of Next Step. Super excited to introduce my guest today for the show, which is April Dunford, who is the author of Obviously Awesome. And prior to writing Obviously Awesome, April has a tremendous amount of experience in that she was the VP of marketing for seven successful startups. We're excited to talk to her about positioning and her experience working with all of those startups. So hello, April. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I have to say I'm a huge fan of your work, obviously. I, I pretty much tell anybody that will listen about anything product related, specifically positioning related, <laughs> to get their hands on a copy of Obviously Awesome. And that's gonna there's gonna be plenty of that on this show as well, too. But that's I'm cool. excited to ask you questions about it and learn more about your background. Okay, that's awesome. So let's start there if that's okay with you. Uh, first and foremost, if you could give yeah. our listeners any more information about your background that you'd like to share in terms of you know how you got into doing the positioning work and how Obviously Awesome came to be. Yeah. So, you know, I, my background's a little bit weird. Like I didn't, um, you know, I, I went to school for engineering systems design engineering specifically, but when I graduated, I went to a startup and I worked on a product there. And shortly after I went there, we repositioned it. And this product, the way we had positioned it originally, it didn't, it looked like a bit of a dog, to be honest. Like it wasn't, <laughs> we weren't selling very many, <laughs> we were thinking about shutting it down. And in the end, we actually we actually repositioned it into a different market as a completely different thing, and uh, and the product itself took off. We ended up getting acquired, and that product is still around, and it's it's now part of SAP, and they still sell a lot of that product. And so, from that point forward, I I would kind of got my eyes open to the potential power of positioning and how you can have something that looks bad, but you can reposition it and it can be seen in the, in the market as something completely different. And so from that point forward, um, I worked on a series of different products where the first thing we did when we got there was, uh, you know, the positioning isn't really quite where it needs to be. And so I ended up doing a lot of repositioning. In fact, I repositioned almost every product I worked on at some point. Um, and so that's kind of how I got started. And then, you know, since I left being an in-house person and switched to doing consulting, I decided that would be my focus area too. One, because it's hard and not many people know how to do it. And two, I've done a lot of it and I have kind of a methodology for doing it. So I thought, okay, this would be a good thing for me to focus on. That's super exciting. We're definitely interested to uh, hear more about your experience having done that. And I have plenty of questions teed up as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, thank you for sharing more information about your background. Um, the topic obviously we want to talk about today is going to be all about product positioning, right? So on this show, I have a lot of founders of product companies, product managers, and the like I want to learn about various aspects of what I should be doing to make my product awesome, right? So aptly named is the title of your book. We want to figure out what we can do to make our products obviously awesome. So let's kind of dive in there first. And one of the questions I get, especially when I talk about positioning is, how you would define it, right? What yeah, what the is. heck is so, it? Yes. So <laughs> Nobody knows let's hear what it from is. the expert. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah, so what so, is product positioning? And talk to us why it's so, about why it's so important, please. Yeah. It's funny that we're so bad at this because, you know, positioning's not new. It's super old. It's been around since the 80s. And it's kind of one of these bedrock foundational marketing concepts that, um, it, you know, it's almost like we expect that we should know it, and but we don't actually know what it is. So it's super misunderstood. Um, it gets confused a lot with 
messaging or sometimes people will confuse it with like vision statement or even a tagline or my my personal pet peeve is when people talk about brand positioning because i think there's branding and there's positioning those two things are totally separate so i like to think of positioning this way it's a bit like context setting for products and context is important because it's how we make sense of the world and in particular it's how we make sense of things that we've never encountered before. So when we first encounter something that we've never seen before, we've never crossed paths with before, we'll look for clues in the context uh, to try and figure out what that thing is all about. Positioning is a bit like that. So uh, I define it this way. So positioning defines how your product is the best in the world at delivering some value that a well-defined set of customers cares a lot about. It's a mouthful and mainly that's because positioning is actually composed of five component pieces. It defines who are the, what are the competitive alternatives to what you do? Uh, what are your unique capabilities or features? What's the value that your product can deliver to customers? And oh, by the way, which customers are we talking about? So what's the segmentation? And then lastly, is market category like are you email or chat or team collaboration what the heck are you anyway so you actually need all five of those things to come together to have good positioning yeah that's great framework to, to use to think about because there's so much in there any help organizing it i'm sure will make it easier to understand right so well, and the, 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 the confusing part about it is not only is there a lot of things, but all those things kind of relate to each other. So, yeah. you know, when I, so I mentioned, I, I have a degree in engineering. I don't have a degree in marketing. So I get this job in marketing and eventually I'm the vice president of marketing and I'm working away and I'm thinking, I got to learn something about this stuff. <laughs> and so <laughs> I figured everybody knows how to do positioning. This is an old concept. So I went and read the book. There's a book that they teach you in marketing school. So I took some classes and they're like, you have to read this book. It's called Positioning the Battle for Your Mind by these guys, Reason Trout. And th that book is amazing in that it does this great job of defining, here's what positioning is. Here's why it's important. This is, so here are some examples of what you can do with positioning and they're amazing. Uh, but then it doesn't tell you how to do it. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> the answer to that question was, there. yeah, it was, it's like content marketing. Like the answer to that question was, you should call us and we'll do it for you. And the reason Trout ran an agency, that was the whole, that was the whole point of that thing. But I was always working at startups. So I was like, I can't afford to hire anybody. And that's why they hired me. So I need to be able to figure this out. And, uh, the first sort of attempt at that that I came across was um, the positioning statement. So if you go to marketing school or if you read any of this stuff, eventually, if you're researching positioning, you'll come across the positioning statement. And then people will say, that's how you do it. You, you create a positioning statement. And what this thing is, is it's like this fill in the blanks, mad libs sort of thing. Like our product is a blank that does blank, unlike blank. And you fill in things like, you know, here's my market category and this is the value I can deliver and here's my competitors and blah, blah, blah. The problem is that that exercise, it doesn't tell you what the best thing is to go in the blanks. <laughs> so the first time I ever came across it, I'm sitting in marketing school 
And the professor puts this thing up and he's like, this is the positioning statement. And I'm like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. That, that can't be how we do it. Like there's a blank there that says market category. And I had worked in this, I had just repositioned this product that we thought it was personal productivity software, but in, instead we repositioned it as a embeddable database for mobile devices. Pretty different, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> These are two pretty different market categories. Same product though. So this guy using up there, you know, saying here's the positioning statement and we got this blank right here says market category. And I'm like, my dude, <laughs> how do I know? Like, as far as I can tell, most products can be positioned in multiple different market categories. How do I know what the right one is? And you know what, the guy didn't have an answer for me. Like I said, how do you know, how do you know? And the guy just looked at me and he says, trust me, April, you'll just know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, dude, I didn't just know any of this stuff. I, I had to learn this stuff. There wasn't any of this that I just was born knowing. And like, like, and not only that, at the company I was at, like we're a bunch of smart people and we didn't just know. In fact, the thing that we thought we just knew was wrong. So not only did I think the positioning statement was kind of useless, it's potentially dangerous in that it tricks you into thinking, oh, there's only one answer and it's whatever pops into your head first, that's it. You should just write that down and that's it. That's the right thing. So that didn't sit right with me. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, so, so eventually from that point forward, I thought, well, there kind of isn't a standard way of doing positioning, but you know, that's stupid. We should have one. <laughs> and so, so I, I, so I sort of took that on as like a personal thing. I was like, well, it, how hard could it be? Right. So, and I, I had an engineering background. So I sort of thought, well, I'll solve this like any engineering problem. All I got to do is break the problem up into component pieces and then solve for the individual pieces, smash it together and voila, good positioning. Right. So, the pieces were easy to, enough to figure out because, in fact, they're sort of the blanks on the positioning statement. And not all positioning statements are the same, but more or less there's five blanks, which is competitive alternative, unique uh, features, value that your product can deliver, uh, ideal customer profile or who you're going after, and market category. Those are the five things. But once you, once you lay it out like that and say, okay, there's these five things, all I got to do is figure out how to get the best answer for each of those. Well, the more you look at that, the more you realize all the things relate to each other. So I can take any of those things like value, the unique differentiated value my product can deliver is completely dependent on the differentiated features. But the features are only differentiated if I compare them to a competitive alternative. So all those things are related. And if I say, okay, well, you know, who's my best fit customer? Well, my best fit customer, and these are people that care a lot about my value. So these things aren't related. I can't do one without the other. And then market category is a little trickier, but my best market category is in essence, um, the context I weave around a product such that this value is obvious to these folks. So all the things are related to each other in order to, to figure out the best answer for each of the things, you got to kind of know where to start. And so yes. for a long time, I, for a long time, that vexed me. I didn't know where to start. In fact, I didn't think there was a starting point. I thought we had to just randomly pick one, like let's start with features. Cause that's easy. We'll work our way around the circle and then um, we'll get candidate positioning and then we can go test it. And if it 
passes, great. If it fails, throw it out, go back and find another candidate. Um, and I did that for like two years. Because <laughs> I thought that was the way too. to do it. <laughs> right. I was like, this is as good as it gets. That's why there is no methodology because it's kind of, it's, it's hard and it's just iterative. Sure. Um, but then I had this thing, I, I kind of went way down the rabbit hole on jobs to be done. Um, if you read any yeah. Clayton Christensen and all that stuff. Big time. And so, Love that framework too. Yeah. So I went down and for a long time that was vexing me. Like how does jobs to be done relate to positioning and mm -hmm. is it a replacement for positioning and can I use jobs theory instead of positioning? And instead what the, the light that came on for me was what we were doing in the job stuff was, was actually trying to figure out in the minds of our best customers what do they compare us to? And so for the job that the customer has hired the, hired the product to do, what are the alternatives to that? And so I had this light go on, go, oh, we actually have to start with competitive alternatives, but, we're, but we often had the alternatives wrong. <laughs> so that's the trick. So you have to start with, okay, if you didn't exist, what would customers do? Like, yeah. you know, when the jobs to be done, you know, that milkshake story. Oh yeah. Love it. Yeah. So your listeners would know this, but like this milkshake, this is this idea. They're trying to decide how to make a better milkshake. And so they notice that all these people are drinking milkshakes in the morning and they're buying them in the drive-thru. And what they find out is that people are actually having a milkshake for breakfast and the reason they like the milkshake is because it fits in the cup holder, but they're on a long drive and it takes them a long time to drink it. And then it's not like an egg McMuffin where it's going to fall on my lap and make a big mess and stuff. And so the result of that was they're like, oh, we need to make a thicker milkshake, you know, and we need to make it last longer and all this sort of stuff. But when I read that, I had this light bulb moment where I was like, oh. It's breakfast. That's what you just learned. You learned it's breakfast and you learned that you're not competing with Coke. You're competing with an egg McMuffin. <laughs> that's yes. that's, that's what it. you learned. And so we have the same problem in most software in that we think we're competing with Coke. We're actually competing with egg McMuffins. Like, so when I say competitive alternative, most of the time people think, well, it's other things that look just like us. Right. And so they'll think about other software products, but in B2B software, often the competitive alternative is a spreadsheet. Like most of the time it's yep. a spreadsheet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're competing with spreadsheets <laughs> or we're competing with do it by hand or we're competing with an intern. And so if we don't get that first piece right, then all our positioning is crummy downstream because we say, okay, well, you know, I'm competing with, like I get this all the time from like little startups. They'll come to me and say, oh, you know, we do this thing and uh, our big differentiator is ease of use and because we're really easy to use. And if you look at the other things on the market, you know, they take 15 clicks to do a thing, but we only take one. So, you know, that's why you want to use us. But then when I ask them, like, do you actually lose deals to those other companies? Because they're all little small guys. I don't even know them. And they'll say, no, no, we don't. We're all pretty small. And I say, well, who, who do you lose to? Like, if they didn't use you, what would they use? And they'll say, oh, do a spreadsheet or, oh, we'll just hire an intern. But think about that. Imagine you're all positioned around ease of use because you think you compete with these people. But in fact, you actually compete with the intern and the intern's super easy to use. Like you're never gonna, you're never gonna beat the intern on yep. easy use. So if you don't really understand the alternatives to what you do, then you can't understand what makes you different and better. You can't understand the real value that you deliver versus that alternative. 
And then you're not going to really understand, well, who cares a lot about that value? Cause you got everything upstream wrong. So, um, so that was kind of a light bulb moment for me. So I was like, what you actually got to do is you have to start with competitive alternatives, but the competitive alternatives may not be what you think they are. It needs to be the competitive alternatives in the minds of customers. And, and in a way you need to kind of say like, if you didn't exist, what would these customers be doing in the same way that if the milkshake didn't exist, what would they be doing? They'd be eating an egg McMuffin. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> There's an insight in that. Um, I love the, I love the con- conclusion or the, um, the takeaway that you drew from that jobs to be done framework example with the milkshake. Yeah. And it, it's the, it, I feel like it's the positioning, the positioning lesson to be learned from the jobs to be done framework example with the milkshake in terms of, Oh, it's breakfast, right? That's, that's a great right. You're example, in a different market example. category. Yeah. Like my first thing was, right. you know what the problem with the milkshake is? You're positioning it wrong. Exactly. Breakfast smoothie. That was my thing. Is I was like, for the longest I time it. I wrestled with that. And I was like, I don't get how to connect this job stuff to this positioning stuff until I had that moment. And then I was like, oh, that's actually it. Like what the job stuff helps you do is it helps you understand what market category does your customer position you in and therefore what are the alternatives to what to what you do in the minds of customers right now yes 100 percent, and it's a great great example to use to think about positioning as well too and like you said how it fits into everything else right because it's right where do you start and the whole you know you'll just know kind of a thing right i have an engineering background too right that's a that's a very tricky thing to try to get past. Yeah, like there's no mechanics of deformable <laughs> right. solids. No. The fridge will just build itself. Don't worry about it. It'll be there when you need it. No, um, like none of that. But you know, and marketing's no different, right? Like it's no different than engineering. Like I didn't just know how to do segmentation. Like a lot of this stuff is really hard. And just because it isn't math doesn't mean there isn't a methodology or a yeah. right way to do stuff. Like we aren't yes. completely over here in the art department here. Right, exactly. <laughs> but what bothers me is when we take things in marketing that should have a structure and should have a methodology and we treat it like the art department, that's where we get into trouble. Yes, exactly. That's a recipe for, for trouble right there. And um, that's, a, that's what the professors were basically telling me. They're like, mm-hmm. they're like positioning is just in your gut. You'll just know. And that's just, that's, that's bull crap. Yeah. That's what that is. <laughs> like, that's not true at all. So talk to me a little bit in terms of for these product companies that are listening as well too, right? Mm. How should they be thinking about taking the next steps when it comes to positioning and when's the right time, right? Is there a better time or a worse time or is this something you can get started with regardless of where you are in the process? Well, I think like, so here's the thing. At the beginning, what you have when you're building a product, what you have is a positioning thesis. So it's helpful to think about it that way and actually capture it like like and deliberately write it down and say look we have a positioning thesis and what our thesis says is we compete with these kinds of companies and our thesis says this is what makes us different therefore this is our value therefore these are the kind of people that are going to love us and therefore this is our market and that that's where we're going to win but the problem is, is like your thesis is pretty much always wrong. <laughs> At least right. in my experiences, you know, we never get it completely right. Like sometimes we're kind of right. Sometimes we're just plain wrong all around. But, but most of the time we kind of got it. 
but not really. And then people do things that we wouldn't expect. And so, um, and so once you've got some traction out in the market and you can start to see some patterns, then what you want to do is you want to kind of separate out, you know, people that bought your product, but maybe don't love it all that much versus people that bought your product and they love, love, love it. And they totally get it. And they, you know, they're a reference for you and they, they pay and they don't ask for a discount and, and look at those people and say, you know, for those folks, what's our competitive alternative there? And how are we different and what's the value? And then what, what is it about those people? What do they have in common that makes them be a really good fit for our stuff? So I, I can give you an example if you want. So Please. very, very first company I ever worked at, junior, junior marketing gal. Um, I worked for this company and we, we made compilers. That was our big main product compilers. But the compiler business was a little flat because Microsoft was, this is ages ago, like Microsoft was getting into the market and they were about to wipe us out. And so we knew we had to find another product line to, to, to continue to grow because this compiler business wasn't gonna last us forever. So we were mucking around with a bunch of new products. But one of the things, the product I was assigned to was this thing that we thought it was like, um, Back then, if you remember Microsoft Access, maybe they still have this. This is like a desktop database for PCs, uh, kind of like a souped-up spreadsheet, but more like a like a database, but a database you could run on a PC. Now, back then, real databases like Oracle or Sybase, whatever, real SQL databases, you, you couldn't run those on a PC. You had to have a great big server with all kinds of memory and hard disk and stuff. And you, you had to have a guy set it up. Like these things were complicated, but we had this idea and we were like techies, right? We're like the compiler people. So we thought, you know what the world needs? The world needs an SQL database that they can run on a PC that just installs like access, like click, 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 and you know, just runs like desktop productivity software as an alternative to a spreadsheet. You wanna, you wanna have this SQL database and you can run SQL queries and stuff on it because like people wanna do that, right? So, <laughs> so we had this idea and we had, just like the compiler, we were selling that off the website uh, for a couple hundred bucks for a compiler. So we thought we'll do the same thing. We'll put this thing on the website. We'll sell it for a couple hundred bucks and we'll sell like million, billion, bajillion of them and it'll be fantastic. So we launched that that was our thesis, right? So our thesis was, you know, we're going to, we're going to sell it to devs. The, the, the competitive comparable is access or a spreadsheet. What made us special is easy to install, runs on a PC, has SQL queries. And therefore, you know, the devs that, that use those other things will want us. And, and that's what we are. We're productivity software, like desktop productivity software. So anyways, we launched the thing, we market the heck out of it. And we sell like a couple hundred copies, <laughs> like, you know, and it's, it's, not, it's not doing good. And so, you know, cause we're selling it like a hundred bucks a pop. Like, so we're not going to get rich off this. And so yep. we consider the thing kind of a failure at this point. And so I'm new, I'm like junior product marketer in on the team. And they're like, Hey, we got a great task for you, April. What you should do is call all the people that have bought this thing and uh and ask them what they're doing with it because we're, basically we're going to end of life the product and we want to know if they're going to be really mad <laughs> if we tell them we're not <laughs> like, 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 like. 
So the goal was for me, I think we had like 200, 250 customers. So the goal was to talk to a hundred of them, which I don't know if you've ever like called developers oh. and tried to get them to talk to you on the phone. It's like I can only imagine. Oh my God. So I did nothing but this for a month. All of, that's all I did. Like that's I made awesome. like 50 dials a day. Just, hi, it's me. <laughs> Please take <laughs> on me and take my call. So anyways, I do these 50 calls and you know, the first 20 calls I have are all the same and they go like this. I'm like, oh, hi, I'm calling from this company and you have our little desktop productivity software. And they're like, no, I don't. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do, you do. Uh, uh, let me look at the spreadsheet. Yeah, you bought it right here, January 26. You bought this thing and they're like, oh yeah, I forgot we bought that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We messed around with that for like a week and then we didn't use it anymore. <laughs> you know, like, like, and, I'm like, and I'm like, okay, so are you using it now? Nope, nope, never used it after the first week. I'm like, okay, I do like 20 calls in a row like this. So I'm oh, like, wow. okay, this thing is not only is bad, it's really That's bad. wild. Like we're gonna yep. shut this thing off. Nobody's gonna care. But then I have call number 21. Call number 21 goes like this guy, like I call the guy and guy picks up and he's like, oh, you guys, that's, that product is amazing. It's changed my whole business. It's fantastic. And I'm like, wow. really? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. What are you doing with it? And he yeah. says, well, so you got to remember, this is like 20 years ago. Sure. Early days of laptops. Yep. So the early days of you give your salesperson a laptop and they take their computer out of the office. He says, well, I got all these salespeople on laptops. The problem is like they can go and take orders, but we've got this big order, order database at headquarters and it's on Oracle database. And so what they do now is they go out and they take the order by hand and then they come back to the office and they put the order in, but they make mistakes. So they forget stuff. Mm -hmm. And then if they got to go, they got to go back, do the order again, come back. He says, but we did is we wrote this little thing, this little program. And so now they can go and take the order and it stores it in your little database thing. But because it's got SQL, we go back and then we wrote this little syncing program and it can sync up with the Oracle database and we get the order every time. And he says, what we're finding is like, we got 30% uptake in orders and we're making all kinds of money off this thing. It's amazing. And I'm like, you're a weirdo. <laughs> right? like, I don't know. Like, no, like, really? That's not what we intended this thing to do, but okay, yeah. right? I take all the notes. I don't have the heart to tell the guy we're canning the thing, whatever. And I go on with my project. I do five, six more calls. I get five, six more people that don't even remember they ordered it. And then I get the next call and it's the same thing. The guy says, oh my God, it's amazing. Totally changed our business. And I'm like, what do you wow. do? He's like, we've got all these field service reps. And they have these field service uh, devices. And what we did was your database was amazing because we could fit it on that device, but it runs SQL. And so they could do stuff out in the field and then come back to headquarters and sync up with the Oracle database at headquarters. And I was like, oh my God, same use case as the other one. So in the end, I, do, I talk to 100 people mm -hmm. and something like 94 of them don't even know they have the damn thing. <laughs> I have <six. laughs> And these six people are all like, the miracle thing about your product is I can put it on a mobile device and then it, and do stuff out in the field and then come back and sync with headquarters. And that was the game changing thing. So I go back to report to the executives and I'm like, okay, good news, bad news, right? Depending on your point of view. 
good yeah. news is uh, if you turn it off tomorrow, like only a very small percentage, like about 5% <laughs> are going to be mad. <laughs> but that is, but here's the thing, like those 5% are going to be pissed because mm -hmm. they've, they're doing this weird thing. So I described the whole use case and whatever. And so then what happens is the, the execs at the company and CEO says, well, maybe we should try to reposition it as that. And so now if you think about that, that's a completely different sales model. Like instead yep. of just selling onesie twosie databases, we're out selling like 10 at a time, 20 at a time. In, mm -hmm. in the end, we sold them a hundred in a, in a group because you were going to, you were going to buy one for everybody out in the field. Yep. And then it was a direct sales model, not selling off the website. The, the pricing was all different because we were packaging mm -hmm. them in, in, in bunches of 10 or 20 or a hundred. Um, but you know you could still charge a lot of money and the deal size was gigantic anyways we hired a sales rep and we decided to kind of test this thing out and the thing sold like crazy and so we just kept adding more sales people and so fast forward eight months later the revenue from that thing is completely eclipsing what we're selling anywhere else company's growing like crazy we end up getting acquired by this great big database company out in the valley called sybase who eventually gets acquired by sap and the amazing thing is at its peak, this thing was doing hundreds of millions of revenue. Unbelievable. So <laughs> wild. We almost killed it because, you know, we didn't know what we had. So but your original question, like, when's the best yep. time to do this? Like you have a thesis at the beginning, but what my experience has taught me is sometimes your thesis is wrong. And so what you want to do is, put it out there in the world. Maybe keep your positioning a little bit loose because you don't know exactly what people are going to do with it. But once you've got a bunch of people using it, you want to check in and find out who's super happy and what are those people doing? And then can you tighten the positioning up around that? And that I think is where the magic is. What a fantastic example. It's such a great example of the power of product positioning and the way in which you do it and the kind of results that it's capable of. So yeah. um, I'm a huge advocate um, April, thank you a ton for coming on the show to share your stories and educate us on this topic. Um, before I let you go, a couple quick questions for you. I'd love if you could share with our audience where they can go to learn more and how they can get themselves a copy of Obviously Awesome. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Obviously Awesome is on sale anywhere you buy books. Um, like it's on Amazon, obviously, but I, I'm, you know, I'm on all the ebook places and I've got an audio book too. So if you prefer audio books, they're all, it's all over the place, wherever you buy audio books, you can find it there. Um, uh, if you want to know more about me and what I do, you can go to my website, which is aprildunford.com. And so a lot of the work I do now is one-on-one -on -one with tech companies, helping them get tight on their positioning. Um, and then if you just want to like follow me around, like the, the, I don't really, I'm not all that active on social right now because I'm so busy, but, um, Twitter, I'm probably more active than anywhere else. So I'm at April Dunford on Twitter. And so you can find me there. And if you're interested in working with me or finding out more about how I work, you can drop me an email, april at aprildumford.com. That's the best way to get me. Awesome. Well, I have a million other questions, but I'm hoping that you will come back on our show again to educate us even further on the wonderful topic of product positioning. Can't thank you enough for being here, April, and sharing your incredible knowledge and experience with myself and our audience. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Product Launch Podcast powered by Next Step. If you or anyone you know is involved in scaling a B2B SaaS business, please have them reach out to me about becoming a potential guest on our show. 
They can email me at sean at nextstep.io. That's S-E-A-N at N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. This time, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of our show, Next Step Consulting. Would you like to know what the right next steps are for your B2B SaaS business? Are you trying to grow and scale, but you're stuck? We can help. To find out how Next Step can help your B2B SaaS business achieve its goals, please email me, sean at nextstep.io. That's S-E-A-N at N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. Thanks, and keep disrupting. Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.